A Blizzard of Backlash, Part 8, Doing the ConCon. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, the day has finally arrived. BlizzCon 2019 opened up yesterday afternoon here on the East Coast, the Eastern Time Zone. And as we might have expected, it was not without event. If you've been following the Blizzard of Backlash series, as you know, this is part eight, and we have talked at length about the various things that Blizzard has done and that has happened to them since they banned Hearthstone player Blitzchung about a month ago. And this has been a continuing, ongoing story, and we had expected things to happen at BlizzCon, and they, in fact, did. And what I want to talk about in this video is how they attempted to get credit for apologizing at the front end of their opening ceremonies. J. Allen Brack, their president, actually came out and gave what he described as an apology, actually included the words, I am sorry, which is very useful, and those don't appear in his original statement, but that I am sorry is directed at a very specific thing. So we're going to take this video, we are going to discuss that apology, and we are going to parse out the language, especially as opposed to what we saw in that Friday night news dump, that press release dump, the week after they had banned Blitzchung. So if you don't remember, this is all in part three of this series, A Blizzard of Backlash, but there are a couple things that jump out. And what we will see is that they didn't change any of their positions, any of their poses. They certainly didn't change the penalty that they, that they applied to Blitzchung. And so... If we read this, if we read this statement from October 12th, 2019, regarding last weekend's Hearthstone Grandmasters tournament, you will see these same kind of concepts pop up. And I've highlighted the few that I want to highlight right here. If you're interested in the full breadth of my discussion on this, please do check out part three of this series. I'm going to also highlight a section for you in just a bit. But this says, at Blizzard, our vision is to bring the world together through epic entertainment. Every voice matters, and we strongly encourage everyone in our community to share their viewpoints in the many places available to express themselves. However, the official broadcast needs to be about the tournament and to be a place where all are welcome. In support of that, we want to keep the official channels focused on the game. And if this had been the opposing viewpoint delivered in the same divisive and deliberate way, which I believe was Free Hong Kong, the revolution of our age, or something along those lines. So we talked about it in part three, but how this was specifically divisive and deliberate is never really established by Blizzard. But they say we would have felt and acted the same. And as we look at the apology from yesterday, we will see that nothing has changed. This was the apology that led to me saying things along these lines. As I tell my clients, the fact that someone waives a contract provision, that someone does something nice for you on one specific instance, doesn't make that contract provision go away. The next person that makes this statement, Blizzard can take all their money because that rule is on the books. And one thing that needs to change about all of this, even if you accept their neutrality stance, even if you accept their sincerity that China itself isn't involved in any of this, is that that rule and really all the rules that go to conduct that is at Blizzard's sole discretion that can allow them to claw back winnings that you have earned for them for services provided that they have made revenue on, that they have made contract money on, those rules all need to be re-examined, they all need to be rolled back, and they all need to be fairer to the people involved. And so, but we're going to take a look at what they say, we're just going to let him speak, and then we're going to parse out that language just like we parsed out that earlier statement. Let's take a look. 
president of Blizzard Entertainment, Jay Allen Brock, has a message that he'd like to share. How are you feeling, BlizzCon? Before we start the opening ceremony, I want to say a few words. You know, uh, Blizzard had the opportunity to bring the world together in a tough Hearthstone esports moment about a month ago, and we did not. We moved too quickly in our decision making, and then, to make matters worse, we were too slow to talk with all of you. When I think about what I'm most unhappy about, there's really two things. The first one is we didn't live up to the high standards that we really set for ourselves. And the second is we failed in our purpose. And for that, I am sorry, and I accept accountability. So what exactly? So what exactly is our purpose? BlizzCon is demonstrating it even as we speak. We aspire to bring the world together in epic entertainment. And I truly believe in the positive power of video games. When we get it right, we create a common ground where the community comes together to compete, connect, and play, irrespective of the things that divide us. As an example, BlizzCon has people from 59 countries all around the world here at the show today. That is amazing. And that is the positive power of video games to transcend divisions that surround us in so many of our places today. We will do better going forward. But our actions are going to matter more than any of these words. As you walk around this weekend, I hope it's clear how committed we are to everyone's right to express themselves in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places. I've actually seen and heard Many of you expressing yourself this morning. <laughs> you use your vacation and your family time to be here in Anaheim with us, and we are so grateful that you're here this weekend. Our best moments are here in our shared passion for Blizzard games. So once again, BlizzCon has brought us together, and today you're going to see a lot of the hard work of the Blizzard team. I am personally, I am personally so proud of what we are building, and I hope you love it too. Thank you for joining us. And so that's their so-called apology. In order to understand why it's a so-called apology, why I called this video the Con Con, 
let's actually dive into each bit of the language and talk about what it means and why it's present in what is very clearly a speech that was crafted for this purpose. The very first bit is nothing. We don't need to talk about it at length, but it's designed to be ingratiating, right? You have the president come out. He's talking in front of BlizzCon. He says, how you feeling, BlizzCon, as he makes his way to the microphone, just trying to be your friend, right? These are a friendly audience, presumably, but Blizzard didn't know what it was going to look like, right? You have to write this speech on the assumption that maybe there's some hostels in the crowd. Maybe there are some Winnie the Pooh-dressed folks that are ready to yell at you. So you try to ingratiate yourself. Hey, we're all here to have a good time. How you feeling, BlizzCon? Before we start, I want to say a few words. So this is essentially before the opening ceremony. They consider this separate from what they are actually here to do, which is to announce video games. You know, Blizzard had the opportunity to bring the world together in a tough Hearthstone esports moment about a month ago, and we did not. Let's pause right there because that's a very interesting piece of this puzzle. You'll note what is not mentioned here. You don't hear the word Blitzchung. You don't hear the word China. You don't hear the word Hong Kong, politics, geopolitical situation, anything like it. Blizzard had the opportunity to bring the world together in a tough Hearthstone esports moment is about as vague as you can describe what happened last, last month. And this was designed primarily to say, hey, if you don't know what happened last month, we don't need to inform you. You don't need to worry about that because it wasn't a big deal. We're here. We have a few opening remarks, but don't you worry about that. We don't need to go into a great deal of detail. Those Hong Kong protesters you walked by coming into the building, don't worry about that. It was a moment about a month ago, and we didn't do the best that we could have. Don't worry about the specifics. We moved too quickly in our decision-making, and then to make matters worse, we were too slow to talk with all of you. Yeah, the ban happened almost immediately, and then we had essentially a week between when the ban happened and then they issued a press release after hours here on the East Coast on a Friday night with the statement that resulted in that kind of fiery Hoaglaw video, uh, part three of the Blizzard of Backlash series that talked about the many failings in that statement alone and the rules that they used to enforce this ban against Blitzchung. But all they're admitting to right now is that the ban came too quickly and then we didn't actually talk to you about it for a week. And that might be true, but that's not really the full story because even when they did talk to us in that press release about it, they didn't say that they were wrong. They essentially said, well, we maybe shouldn't have taken that money back, so we'll give him the money back, but he still needs to be banned for something, so we won't, be, we won't ban him for a year. We'll ban him for six months, and no other explanation was given about where that came from, where that length of time came from, why that's okay and a year isn't okay, or anything like it, and what you wind up having is this situation where they still haven't explained everything to us. They've still taken a significant action against a person that said essentially a fairly benign political statement, yes, but in a one-sentence format at the end of an official broadcast that presumably he was asked to do as part of his tournament duties. And this is just saying we moved too fast, and then when we explained ourselves, it took too long, but not anything about the content of either the ban or the message that was put out later. He then continues with, when I think about what I'm most unhappy about, there's really two things. The first one is we didn't live up to the high standards that we really set for ourselves. Okay, so this is when you're in a job interview and they ask you what your greatest weakness is, it's I work too hard. You know, what, I, what really upset me is that I wasn't as awesome as I usually am. You know, Blizzard is super awesome 
and we weren't super awesome for a moment in October, and I really wish we would have been super awesome. So that really upsets me. Okay, all right. And the second is, we failed in our purpose. And for that, he actually attaches this apology to that. I am sorry, and I accept accountability. So understand, we're going to talk about what his purpose is, and he's going to try to elaborate on that, but it's the same thing that we saw in the earlier statement. And he's sorry that he failed to bring the world together, right? That's what this ultimately comes down to. Their purpose is to bring the world together through video games, and he's sorry that they failed in bringing the world together by their actions. They're not sorry for their actions. They're not sorry for the people affected by their actions. They're not sorry to Hong Kong. They're not even sorry to China necessarily here, although certainly the entirety of the actions that were taken in October suggest that that is who they were trying to appease. And then you have this half apology and you have this very awkward moment in the video, which I've labeled here as waits for applause. But he actually says, I am sorry and I accept accountability. And it is without doubt that this part of the transcript, this part of his speech says applause, right? This is where people are supposed to applause because you've given them the I am sorry that wasn't contained in the Friday statement in October of this year. Waits for applause exists, however, because there is no applause for a good long chunk of time. In fact, you have to actually have him start the next sentence, so what exactly, before the audience moves forward with applause, where he then has to stop for the applause that he had tried to stop for, and then continue with defining his purpose. So what exactly is our purpose? Now, we're going to come back to that for just a second. But the reason that existed, the I am sorry and the wait for applause line, is to set up stories like the one we see here in ESPN. BlizzCon protesters gather outside Anaheim Convention Center. We have here some pictures of what's happening, a flag of Hong Kong, some stuff outside the, the hotel and the convention center where this is all happening. And then we see them report on this apology. And what was the purpose of that line and the purpose of that pause was this. You see ESPN says, we didn't live up to the standards we set for ourselves. We failed in our purpose. And for that, I'm sorry. And I accept accountability. The next sentence in this article, Brack's statement was met with a round of applause from the audience. Indeed, it was eventually. As a matter of fact, technically speaking, I think you could argue that what was met with a round of applause was, so what exactly dot, dot, dot. But of course, that wasn't the line for which the applause was intended. In fact, they put that apology line, and for that, I am sorry, in their speech deliberately to get the media attention that I think they are getting in certain quarters. So I think it's important when we analyze these statements to understand that's the purpose. We talk a lot in virtual legality about knowing what your purpose is before you go out with any kind of crisis communication. What are you trying to achieve? And part and parcel to that is knowing how you want it to be perceived and reported on by the outside world. So when your public relations people are helping you craft this speech, when your legal team is looking at the speech and what it, exactly it is that you are about to say, one of the things that goes into it is you say, I am sorry, right here. You pause, you get that applause, and then the ESPNs of the world can go and they can say that you went and you got that applause, that the Blizzard fans are behind us, even if no one else is, so that at least we look like a united front. And as a public company, we can share it with our shareholders that, hey, everything's going to be okay because the people that still buy our products want to continue buying our products. And as we get to the end of this video, you'll see that might very well be the case. It seems very much like this BlizzCon was designed to get in front of not only this issue, 
but also the issues that were created last year with the Diablo Immortal thing and with them saying, don't you all have phones and shouldn't you like a mobile title for Diablo, etc., etc." So this BlizzCon was presumably set up for a long time to be an answer to a lot of angry fans, a lot of potential problems that Blizzard and Activision were having. Continuing on, we get to the crux of what he was actually apologizing for. So what exactly is our purpose? BlizzCon is demonstrating it even as we speak. We aspire to bring the world together in epic entertainment, and I truly believe in the positive power of video games. Now, if you are paying attention, you recognize that statement from the earlier statement that they made on October 12th, that Friday night news drop. They want to bring the world together in epic entertainment, and this is the basis for which they are claiming this authority and claiming that it's a good thing that they have banned or otherwise punished the blitzchungs of the world. That when they say something on their official broadcast, they are creating divisions and they want to avoid creating divisions by only bringing the world together, but not bringing the world together in specific political stances, but only in video games. And as a corporate lawyer, which I've mentioned before in virtual legality, I'm sympathetic to saying, okay, what we really want is we really want to have a Hearthstone tournament and we don't really want anybody to say anything. So we are going to try to make sure that people only talk about Hearthstone, only talk about Blizzard, how much they love our game, et cetera, et cetera. And I think from a corporate perspective, that's at least something that you could get behind if it was treated with a kind of kid gloves approach, with a sense of neutrality about what people were saying and what other people weren't saying. But unfortunately, that's just not what's happening at Blizzard right now. One of the things that jumped out at me while he was making this statement was the fact that on the corner of his collar was, in fact, a Blizzard rainbow pin. I brought it up now from the Kotaku version of this opening statement, and I appreciate it again from Kotaku for actually linking this video separately from the rest of the opening ceremonies. But you can see there he has a Blizzard rainbow pin. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all, but it is a kind of political statement and one that doesn't have anything to do with Hearthstone or Overwatch or Diablo or World of Warcraft or anything else. So what you've got here is a situation where essentially it's fine for me, but not for thee. And by the way, the rule that we are going to punish you on is essentially based on how we wake up in the morning. We have determined that whatever you just said right now is too divisive for us. So now you are going to lose your money or we're going to give your money back when there's too much backlash. But you're also going to lose six months of potential money because we want to punish you for saying something political. But by the way, if you said something political that we agreed with, like a rainbow flag or a rainbow pin or something else, then you're probably going to be fine. So not only do you have to guess at what we are going to care about, but we are going to control what you say by virtue of this huge umbrella penalty that we can impose at our discretion. And look, the point of this video in virtual legality is not to take any political stance one way or the other. I don't care if you wear a rainbow pin. I don't care if you say free Hong Kong. The point is that you can't start treating these things differently. Or if you are going to start treating them differently, you need to quantify them somewhere. There needs to be a schedule of things that are okay to say. And the fact that you actually put a rainbow pin on your collar for when you are apologizing, not really for punishing someone for making a statement, but because of the way that you did it and the way that it was perceived, essentially, I am sorry I got caught or that I was called out in this specific way, you create all this ambiguity. And unfortunately, when you create all that ambiguity and you have this plenary authority, this complete power by use of your rules to punish people that you don't like, that's going to create a chilling effect, right? Regardless of what you say in this speech, and we're going to look at the rest of your language, 
you are not backing up any kind of free expression or free thought because nobody knows what you don't like, right? We can take our guesses. I would advise somebody to not say free Hong Kong if the money from their Hearthstone tournament makes sense to them, is important to them. But can they wave a rainbow flag and do whatever else they want? I would imagine that they can based on Blizzard's actions here. But what they are saying and what they are doing are completely different. And that's one of the things we will see when we get to the end of their statement. The next piece of their speech is, when we get it right, we create a common ground where the community comes together to compete, connect, and play irrespective of the things that divide us. As an example, BlizzCon has people from 59 countries all around the world here at the show today. That is amazing. And that is the positive power of video games to transcend divisions that surround us in so many of our places today. This is a whole lot of words to say very little. Essentially that, wow, look at Blizzard, look at video games, and look at how people can play video games together without launching into tirades against different divisions, different sexes, different politics, different religions, whatever it might be. But I look at this and I look at it from the outside and this is very much like you're accusing us of being racist or you're accusing us of being fascist. But look, look at all these people that don't think we're fascists. Look at all these people that are totally fine with us. Look at all the people that are attending this conference. How could we be the bad guys? How could we be the villains? Look at this non-fascist friend I have. And that's how I read this statement which is unfortunately a little bit cynical, but Blizzard has deserved the cynicism for the past month. I do think, and I've long thought this, obviously if I'm the host of a show called Virtual Legality that regularly talks about video games, I enjoy video games as a hobby. I enjoy following the industry. I agree with the overall thrust of this statement, which is video games are a great thing that people can enjoy together even if they don't agree on specific philosophical issues. And I think that's great. But I also think when you have this statement and you are trying to quote unquote apologize for actions that you've taken, you're not going to give us any examples of how you think the actions that you have taken are wrong or misunderstood or misthought when you did them initially, other than the fact that you say you went too fast, primarily because people accused you of making the decision too fast. Then a statement like this comes off as don't bother us. We're not the villains. Go bother someone else who's evil. Everybody here is just here to enjoy the wonder and the power of video games. So it's a long way of saying, we're not the bad guys. We're the good guys. And aren't our games great for bringing all these people together? Then we continue with a few more vagaries. We will do better going forward. Let's just stop right there, right? So we don't have an explanation for what they think they did wrong other than moving too fast and not talking in a press release for a long period of time. So the only way to interpret this based on what this actually says, and this isn't their intent at all, is we will try to slow down on our penalizing, and when we do, we'll get you a press release faster. That's the only thing they've really admitted to doing wrong. So we will do better going forward is completely unmoored with evidence or reality or how we should interpret what that phrasing is. But it's designed for you sitting there or listening to this opening statement to look at it and say, oh, they're going to do better. They've, they've heard us and they're going to do better. They're going to do whatever it is in my head, I think would be them doing better. So they're not attaching anything specifically because it's useful for them to have everybody that's concerned with their actions of late to essentially do their work for them, to imagine what doing better looks like. Then they give themselves their out. But our actions are going to matter more than any of these words. 
So this speech doesn't matter at all. Someone somewhere is making me say this because there are protests going on outside because people like Hogue have covered this for a month and a half now. But we aren't going to be able to accomplish anything here with just this speech. So none of this really matters. Our actions are going to matter more than any of these words. So we promise that we'll do better, presumably with actions, actions that you don't know the nature of, but you're going to get those actions. And it would be wise of you, if we're Blizzard, to imagine whatever those actions doing better might consist of, because that's what we're going to do. But we're not making any promises here because, hey, promises are just promises. Our actions are going to matter. Okay. Well, as you can see, whatever kind of concrete apology might have existed is now nothing more than cotton candy and ephemera and dissolving before our very eyes as nothing. There is no foundation to anything in this statement that we could react to and feel good about that Blizzard has heard the people's complaints and is going to do anything about them. They think they are in the right. If you can read between the lines on this statement, they feel put upon having to make this statement at all, and they feel they are in the right, and they don't really want to change their ways, and they are trying to communicate that while also not upsetting their Chinese contracts or Chinese possibilities for Activision, for Activision Blizzard, and for Blizzard itself. As you walk around this weekend, I hope it's clear how committed we are to everyone's right to express themselves in all kinds of ways in all kinds of places. Yeah, they have allowed protests outside their building. They appear, based on some pictures that we have seen, to allow Winnie the Pooh costumes and things of that nature. He's wearing a rainbow pin on his collar. Presumably there are more of those around the conference. And I think Blizzard has, at least on the outside, always kind of presented as a company that is willing to have those statements out there. That's one of the reasons why this penalty for Blitzchung came out of nowhere. It's one of the reasons why we did such a thorough analysis in virtual legality about how the rules say that an escalation should usually require a warning, then a lost game, then a lost match, then a suspension for the tournament, and then multiple tournaments, etc., and how they just jumped completely to a year-long ban for a single-sentence statement on a broadcast that presumably he was required to enter into was such a weird, weird thing. So this is great, except when it isn't. What we're talking about here is that Blizzard holds a sort of Damocles over everyone's head. And can you really feel like you can express yourself in any manner that you would choose if you know that Blizzard can decide that something you said, something that you expressed in virtually any context? Now, they've tried in their statements to limit it to their broadcasts, but we've seen in their rules that they can just decide that something looked bad for Blizzard and so they can take your money away, they can ban you, they can suspend you forever, they can do whatever else they want. Isn't that a scenario in which, yes, you're free to express yourselves, but watch out, if you hit that bumper on the side or if you go over the cliff, we're going to kill you. So feel free to express yourselves, but we're watching. And that's, that's what chilling effect means in the law, and that's what Blizzard has established here. So yeah, it's great that you're okay with this right now. You're okay with this right now basically because you have to be, right? This was such a big deal over the last month. There was no other choice but to be okay with certain things. And specifically outside their building, they don't really have a choice. You know, we do have freedom of speech in the United States. We do have certain rights to protest things, to establish uh, things that we are upset about or things we would like to see changed. And so the fact that there's a Hong Kong protest outside your building is not necessarily something you could do a whole lot about, Blizzard. So you don't get a ton of credit just for that. Continuing, he actually goes on to make a joke 
about the protests outside. I've actually seen and heard many of you expressing yourself this morning. So there are a number of protests outside the building. We've got pictures of those. There are pictures in the thumbnail to this video. And interesting for Blizzard to have this, what amounts to supposedly a solemn apology. We did wrong. We didn't do right by our community. We understand that. We are going to change our ways. What did he say? We're going to do better. But two sentences or two paragraphs later, I'm going to joke about the fact that you are making yourselves known outside our building. Okay, that's probably not the right tone. That's probably something that I would have struck if I were in the room and said, all right, you don't want to make this joke here. I know you want to keep things light and frothy, but we're going to get to announcing Diablo 4 in just a second. Let's keep serious right this second about how important expression and value is for Blizzard. He then continues with, you use your vacation and your family time to be here in Anaheim with us, and we are so grateful that you're here this weekend. Thanks for coming to our conference. Our best moments are here in our shared passion for Blizzard games so that once again, this con has brought us together. And today you're going to see a lot of the hard work of the Blizzard team. Okay, we're starting to transition, right? Okay, we said our apologies. We're all good. You love us again. Fantastic. Let's talk about video games because this is making me uncomfortable. Let's see what we've brought us together. Let's see the games that we've been making because we're going to try to blow you away with all this stuff because we had all the mistakes last year. We've had all the mistakes last month. I am so, I'm personally so proud of what we are building in video games, not necessarily in goodwill or brand recognition, and I hope you love it too. Thank you for joining us. And that's the entirety of the statement. We saw the video, we've parsed the words, and there is foundationally nothing different about what was said that got me so irritated in step three, part three of this video series. And in fact, it's a little bit worse because they are presenting it as if they have taken a step that they have said something new, that they are worthy of applause because they said the words, I'm sorry. But they didn't apologize to you. They didn't apologize to Hong Kong. They didn't apologize to Blitz Kong, uh, Blitzchung, apologies. Apologies myself to Blitzchung. They essentially apologized to themselves. They said, our biggest error, what really makes us upset is that we didn't reach our own high ideals. So we are apologizing to ourselves. And at the end of the day, the reason there's that pause for, for applause is because everybody, subconsciously or consciously, recognizes that sentence for what it was, completely pandering and pandering in a way that was ineffective because it was an apology to Blizzard itself rather than to anybody that was affected by their actions. Now, if you followed virtual legality, you know... My basic stance on this is that if you care about this, you should make it known, whether that's in the form of a boycott, whether that's in the form of forum posts, emails, whatever. If you don't care about it, I'm not judging you for that. That's okay too. But the thing that really gets me are the people that say they care about it and then look at what was presented yesterday, the games that were presented, and just go forward and say, you know what? It's okay because those games look sweet. So I'm going to get those games, even though I care about all this stuff. And you can see that already happening. Somebody pointed out on my social media timeline that the Game Informer December cover's already been revealed and that Blizzard had negotiated with them for four different covers for their announcements today. Diablo 4, the World of Warcraft expansion, a Hearthstone expansion, I believe, and of course, Overwatch 2 and how excited everybody should be ab about them. And this is the nature of the video game industry. Get excited. Get hyped. Don't worry about Blizzard. Blizzard's fine. Didn't you hear them just apologize? You should be excited about their games. You should help 
help their company by purchasing their products. And you know what? That's all well and good if that's what you want to do. But don't pretend to care about this issue and don't pretend to care about this issue when Diablo 4 comes out and looks awesome and gets 90s and whatever it is on Metacritic and everything else. Don't do both, all right? Don't be that person. If this really matters to you, stay strong on that. Don't buy the products or buy them when they're cheap, buy them secondhand, whatever makes sense in that particular context. But don't try to do both. And I saw that happening when this Game Informer article came out. I saw it happening on my timeline. I've pulled up uh, a tweet. I don't usually call out people for things that they tweet, but uh, Brittany Baum, uh, Brombacher is a, a host of podcasts, and so I think she's industry adjacent. I think it's fine to actually talk about what she said here. She said, there's obviously a lot of controversy with Blizzard at the moment. That said, I don't think it's fair to pretend like we're not excited over what we're seeing today. Many people have worked very hard, and I think they deserve the praise and hype. It doesn't mean we forgot and give the suits a pass. Now, this is the bifurcation that I always find funny, right? So this is a bifurcation of essentially the lowly line laborer against the evil corporate suits and those decisions that are being made. And even if you hate the company, the company is using child labor, it's using conflict diamonds, it hates China, it's authoritarian, it loves China, whatever it is, that, okay, now that they have shown some clips of Diablo 4, which I will sit here and say looks awesome, all right? It looks fantastic. It looks much like Diablo 2. It's a great art style compared to Diablo 3. I understand why people are excited about it. But you can't have this stance. You can't have Blizzard sucks. They're anti-freedom of speech. They're pro-authoritarian. They handled all this messaging wrong for the last month that gave Hoag Law the capacity to make eight separate videos on their many mistakes and blunders. But because that game I like looks cool, they deserve a pass because a lot of people worked hard on it. That can't be the stance you take. I responded, I retweeted this, and I said this on Twitter myself. I said, I'm honestly not sure where this line of reasoning ends. I understand it. I even sympathize with it. You can hear it on this video. I do sympathize with it. I love video games. Some of the stuff they showed yesterday looks cool. But I'm not sure you couldn't apply this line of reasoning to any company in the business of selling you the things you like. Now, I'm okay with you saying this China thing doesn't bother me, or I think the company should be able to control its language the way it's doing. So even if it bothers me on kind of a substance basis, I think Blizzard should have the authority to do it, and they're not being as ambiguous as Hogue makes it out. I think that's okay. I think there is a whole plethora of stances that you could take that are reasonable and not hypocritical. But you can't take the stance that Blizzard is bad. All of this is bad. But because it has employees that worked hard on something, which is always the case, by the way, unless you are really going down the pipeline of saying that devs are just lazy when a bad game comes out, I can tell you from discussions with my brother who's a video game developer, with discussions with my clients who are video game developers, that sometimes the design document just wasn't what you should have been working on. And you can devote two years of your life to something. You could really put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. And it just doesn't work out. It's just not a good product. And you shouldn't necessarily expect people to just go and buy your video game or like it because you have employees that would otherwise lose their homes or keep, not keep the lights on or fail to feed their families because the product didn't turn out. And I think that's the flip side of the coin of this, which is this product looks awesome. 
but the company that makes it is authoritarian, bends its knee to an authoritarian regime, and does things that are not in connection with what we would like to see our American companies value. I'm a corporate lawyer. I say that all the time. I sympathize with the position that Blizzard found itself in initially. I think there was a way to potentially walk the line and tell Blitzchung that they don't want that kind of language on their broadcasts, but not have this spiral out of control. And unfortunately, that's not what they did. And unfortunately, the actual statements they made at the opening of BlizzCon suggest that's not what they ever wanted to have done. This isn't a situation where, oh my gosh, we should have handled this differently and we could have corrected everything and it would have been fine. This is, we did nothing wrong and could you all stop bothering us for this because we're trying to run a company here. Look at the shiny video games. And if that's okay with you, that's fine. I really don't have a problem with it. I honestly don't. I know it sounds a little bit sarcastic, but if that's okay with you, that's fine. What is not fine is, that's not okay with me, but wow, Diablo 4 is so shiny. That's not a stance that I can respect. That's not a stance I can get behind because it's a level of reasoning that essentially allows all manner of evil, all manner of bad acts, everything possibly that a bad company could do to be excused if the end result of that process is something that is shiny and attractive to you. So think on that. I hope you do enjoy BlizzCon if you are there and if you are otherwise okay with what Blizzard is doing. And please leave comments to this video that talk about your BlizzCon experience. If you were in the room at the opening ceremony, tell me what did that feel like when that opening statement happened? What that pause felt like in the moment? Was there any prompting from anyone to start applause? What that all felt like in the room? I would love to hear that from you. Otherwise, this has been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this video, please like, please subscribe. We are talking about this kind of thing all the time. And if you caught it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. If you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.